0: the hell is going on what's really going on we said what the hell happened you don't have to know what the hell is on it
1: Did they see what's going on i
0: don't know what's going on
1: what is going on we must find out what is going on
0: hi i'm danielle petka i'm artisan <laughs> welcome to our podcast Through 2021. And Mark, what the bloody hell is going on?
1: We've asked that question every podcast for over a year now, and it's never been more inappropriate than today. As we record this on Wednesday afternoon, the president just held a rally where he spewed a bunch of lies about the election and told people to go and protest to the Capitol. People listened to him and they went to the Capitol and they pushed down the the gates. They overcame the barriers. They stormed into the Capitol by the thousands and they have overrun the Capitol Police. They've broken into the House chamber. There were guns drawn and shots fired inside the Capitol. Uh, and they've taken over the House chambers. The vice president of the United States and the speaker who are first and second in line to the presidency have been evacuated to what we used to euphemistically call uh, with, when Dick Cheney was vice president a secret location, undisclosed location. And there's tear gas and shots fired and thousands and thousands of people storming the United States Capitol. We look like a banana republic. It is the most appalling thing I have seen since I first came to Washington as a college intern in 1989, I am just disgusted by this behavior. I'm disgusted by the president, but his incitement of this and his failure to condemn it. And it is just a, you know, we have an explicit rating, so I'll just use the word. It's a shit show.
0: What is happening on Capitol Hill, a place where Mark and I spent some of the happiest of our professional years, where we have very, very close family and friends still working uh, among staff and members, to watch on our television screens this uh, insurrection, this seditious behavior on the part of Donald Trump's supporters is, you know, you can hear, I'm without words because This is so unprecedented, so appalling. And I'll say this, and I wanna hear what you think about this, Mark. One of the things that I have seen in watching reactions from people on Twitter is, well, you know, if you hadn't been okay with the violence last year in the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa movement, then maybe we wouldn't have come to this. And my answer to that is bullshit. Violence is wrong. But just because one side is willing to excuse the violence of people who are are willing to commit crimes because of their belief, doesn't make it okay for the other side.
1: First of all, you can't become what you condemn. Just because the other side does something that's wrong doesn't justify our side doing it. Two, I'm struck by the fact, looking at these images, as you know, I wrote a book with Scott Walker called Unintimidated. Which was the story of how 100,000 people descended on the, the Wisconsin state capitol and occupied the capital, which at the time was a completely unprecedented act. And now it's happening in Washington. And instead of the SEIU and the labor and the public worker unions and the far left doing it, it's the right uh, doing the same thing. They've become what they condemned. There's no excuse for any of it. Though I, I will say, my view is if you're on the left, and you didn't condemn when they did it to Scott Walker, then you should keep your mouth shut. If you didn't condemn the riots and the violence when it was happening in our cities after the George Floyd murder, then you really don't have a very good leg to stand on here. It doesn't justify anything that's happening. I'm the first to condemn it. But, you know, the people I'm proudest of today are the people who condemned it back then and are standing up and condemning it now when it's their own side, right? And I'm proud of... The people like Mike Pence today who came out and under enormous pressure from the president basically chose the Constitution over Trump and did the right thing. I'm proud of Mitch McConnell for saying that we're not going to overturn an election because the president doesn't like the results. So, you know, there's some good guy stories here as well, but it's just a dark day for our country.
0: It is a dark day for our country. And it is a dark day for the GOP as well, because the reality is that Donald Trump has dragged decent conservatives into a place where we feel ashamed of our party affiliation. And you can turn around, I can turn around and say, we condemn this, we have nothing to do with this, but at the end of the day, he is the one who carried the party's banner. And if people were happy with him had he won and when he won, then you got to accept the fact that he is also responsible for so much of this. You know, we have to ask ourselves, who are we that such people believe this is permissible behavior in our country?
1: Here's the thing. Number one, in the darkness of what I'm seeing, I'm so proud of the fact that there are people in the party who are standing up to this. I'm proud of Raffensberger and the Georgia election officials who, and the governor of Georgia who have not gone along with the Trump lies. I'm proud of the Trump-appointed judges, Right who had these, these ridiculous cases put in front of them and have basically ruled, I think it's like 59 to one, have ruled against the president on almost every case to turn this stuff down. Our system works, you know? We have the constitutional safeguards are there when push comes to shove and people are forced to choose between the constitution and someone who's trying to subvert democracy. Many of them have chosen the right way, though many have not as well. So the system works but also the system is failing in an important way. So the president of the United States gave a speech this morning. He spoke for an hour and told a bunch of lies about the state of the election and things that were disproven about voter fraud and how many votes were stolen and all the rest of it. And so the Trump supporters listen to this and they believe him, you know? They believe that their their democracy is being stolen from them. They believe that the Democrats stole the election. And the problem we have is that, what is the normal check on that when the the president of the United States lies? It's our media, right? The media has been completely discredited because they spent two years telling us that Trump colluded with Russia to steal the election in 2016. And they pushed these and other lies about Trump. And so they were so deranged by his presidency that they became partisans themselves. And so now what's happened is, you have a president who's lying, and you have a media that no one trusts to fact check the lies and to correct the lies. And so the truth lies in tatters and there's nobody to pick it up. There's fault here on the other side as well. There's fault here in the media. There's fault here in the people who started out this presidency by saying, not my president. You know what, when Joe Biden is inaugurated the first thing I'm gonna say is Joe Biden is my president. I don't, didn't vote for him. I don't. I think I'm gonna disagree with a lot he said, but he's my president. I see
0: a future column. it could be
1: my headline. You, know, you heard it now. If you, re, if you listen to the podcast, you get a preview of it. Joe Biden is my president, and I, he deserves a chance. I'm going to call him out when he does things wrong, I'm going to support him if he does the right thing, but he deserves a chance. But keep in mind, the reason these people are angry is because the left didn't do that when Donald Trump was elected. You know, the day that Donald Trump was inaugurated, they were burning limousines on, on Pennsylvania Avenue, and they said, not my president. And they said, we got, we're the resistance. It's a cycle that didn't start with this morning's speech or the last month's behavior by the president.
0: Look, I can't disagree with anything you say because, I mean, I've seen it all as well. And, and, you know, any impartial observer has seen or anyone who doesn't believe that the, that the press has completely lost its mind need only go on Twitter today and watch the commentary of some of the bureau chiefs up on Capitol Hill and what they're saying. I saw a reporter tweeting out, this is your fault, Ted Cruz. You know, that's not called reporting. I understand exactly what you're saying. But I think where I draw a line under this is that the president of the United States has a special responsibility a special duty to the nation to be above this to be better than this and instead donald trump is part of it and you know when you defended more enthusiastically than i i think but still defended the president in the face of you know the russia collusion charges which were truly truly scurrilous I understood his response to that. I understood even his willingness to pardon. But what he did today, going out, inciting these people to violence, you mentioned as the worst thing that he did in your top 10 worst things, that he actually explored the notion of declaring martial law. It is beyond the pale. And that's the problem here is that I think that if I had asked you and if you had asked me on election day of 2020, would Donald Trump do these things? We both would have said no. And we were both wrong.
1: Yes, I, I agree with that 100% look. I am a big believer that people are responsible for policing their own movements, right? So you know back in the in the 1950s, uh, William F. Buckley, who was, who was one of my mentors and one of my heroes, he became he was the godfather of the modern conservative movement and he brought the conservative movement in from the fever swamps and one of the things he did was he purged the birchers right he purged the john birch society and the conspiracy theorists and then and the nut jobs from the respectable right he was policing our movement and one of donald trump's great failings as president and i've said this from his first year in office and i say it in his last days in office is his failure to police his movement and police the right and to purge it of the disreputable elements. There are lots of people out there who are Trump supporters, who are looking at this, who wear MAGA hats and MAGA shirts to school and went to Trump rallies, who are looking at what's happening in the Capitol with the same horror as we are. But it's Donald Trump's job, which he hasn't done as of this recording. I don't know if he'll do it between now and then. He should be on TV right now saying, stand down, right? Instead, what he did, uh, he, he told the proud boys during the debate, stand down and stand by. And so they stood by and and he encouraged them. It's his job to stay, don't do this in my name. I reject this. You know, you've got a responsibility. We, we all have a responsibility to police our movements that the left utterly failed in doing that during the uh, race riots of the summer, you know, made excuses for, Burning down, you know. Well, most of them are peaceful protesters. You know, where are those people today? With right now, with with the people on the right, and most of the people, most of the people are peaceful protesters too. That doesn't excuse burning down buildings or breaking into the Capitol. But Donald Trump has, a, as you say, a special responsibility because he's not only the leader of movement; he's the president of the United States.
0: I also want to talk a little bit quickly about the rule of law, because you and I have talked a lot about this in various ways over the last year and a bit. One of the things that happened today is that Mike Pence finally turned around and told Donald Trump that he was not going to, quote unquote, save him an expression that the president used, not simply in Washington DC on this Wednesday, but on his last rally in Georgia as well. Mike Pence can turn this around for us, he kept saying. Today, finally, uh, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, delivered the bad news to Donald Trump that he should have delivered long ago that he was not going to overturn the results of the elections, that he was not going to put in place electors who supported Trump in place of duly elected and confirmed and certified electors who did not support Donald Trump. And I think that underscores what you and I have said all along, which is that actually our democracy is not in crisis as people have suggested. Our democracy actually works. It is being challenged, it is being threatened, and the people outside the Capitol are doing just that. But the notion that somehow we are in a state of collapse, I think, is wrong.
1: Well, you know, ironically, the real challenge to our democracy is one that Donald Trump is responsible for, which is the ushering in of a one party state by his insane behavior over the last month. You know, so you go back to like after Election Day when he refused to accept the results, and a lot of people were saying, give him time to process it. He'll come around. I wrote a column giving him, you know, I basically gave him my advice saying that, you know, here's an eight point plan for how you can win back the Senate the presidency in four years. He actually could. I think after this it would be very hard for him, but I think he was in a position where if he had behaved normally and had a strategy, he could have. And that was, you know, go out, have your lawsuits, but then accept the results when they're decided, have a proper transition, go win the Georgia Senate race uh, and as a first for salvo and then go and announce you're running in four years and take back the House in 2020 and take back the presidency in 2024. Perfectly reasonable strategy for the president who was just defeated in the polls. And instead, he went with this, as the, the, you know, the nutty idea pre- explained by Sidney Powell, that there was some sort of Cuban Chinese Soros Clinton Foundation conspiracy to steal the election. And he never let go of it. And he got more and more attached to it. And the reality is everyone expected him to sort of eventually come around and he didn't. And what happened was that for six weeks, we have the most important Senate race in the history of our country, in the history of the Republic, took place yesterday on Tuesday, and he didn't lift a finger to help those folks. And as a result, it looks nagged like now, as you pointed out at the beginning, that Leffler's lost and Raphael Warnock, anti-Semite, Castro-loving, Jeremiah Wright-endorsing pastor is gonna be a United States Senator, and we're gonna have one party rule in Washington because of Donald Trump's insane behavior. That's the threat to our democracy. They're gonna get rid of the filibuster. They're gonna pack the courts. I mean, they're gonna add states. They're gonna pass radical legislation, which is gonna even further divide the country. You know, we had a chance to actually maybe have a chance for some unity and cooperation and compromise for the first time, and because of Trump's behavior, that's all out the out the window.
0: It's completely right. You know, I'm literally looking, Marcus, we're talking at pictures of what's going on in the Capitol. Of all people, Laura Ingraham just tweeted about an hour ago and said, "Anyone who thinks this is going to grow the MAGA movement is delusional. It hurts the movement, the Trump legacy, and of course the country." But I mean, even Donald Trump, narcissist, should have recognized this. Even someone completely self-obsessed, someone who is indifferent to principle, indifferent to party, indifferent to the nation, should have recognized that in order for him to be a credible candidate in future years, he needs not to have gone out with a salted earth strategy of burning everything before him. And instead, that's what he's done. He has discredited himself. And not only that, but you and I have spent an enormous amount of time, as have a lot of people of good faith, talking about those people who were left behind by the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and brought Donald Trump to power. And they are being disgraced by these crowds. They, the people who stood with Donald Trump, who thought that he was going to be a chance, and now they're, as you rightly said, they're the MAGA hat wearing, MAGA t-shirt, rally going people. They are not represented by these rioters who are bringing guns into the Capitol building of the United States of America. It makes me ill.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I will tell you on top of that, not only are they being disgraced by the president, so are all the people who, you know, many of them friends of ours, Who went into the administration to try and serve their country, right? There are good people who went in and accomplished really important things in the Trump administration. You know, I'm not going to go through the whole top 10 best list that I published because quite frankly, I don't feel like it. (laughs) I don't feel like talking about Donald Trump's accomplishments. But the end of my list, the top three things that I listed in my top three, the Abraham Accords, not one, not two, not three, four Arab-Israeli peace accords, first agreements in a quarter century. I mean, unprecedented accomplishment by the Trump administration, literally transforming the Middle East. The CARES Act averted a second Great Depression. Economists were saying we were heading towards a second Great Depression, and, and Trump, through the CARES Act, which his administration played a major role in shaping, brought the economy back. Operation Warp Speed, the greatest public health achievement in history. History. Record for vaccine development before that had been four years. They did it in nine months. The pandemic is gonna be over because of it. And then you know, for conservatives, putting not one, not two, but three justices on the Supreme Court, giving us a six three conservative majority that's gonna be that guardrail on whatever comes after Trump. These are huge, huge, huge accomplishments. Good people went into government to achieve them. And they're all have knives in their backs from Donald Trump because these people put their good names and their reputations to associate themselves with the president and he's making them for nothing else than having served their country radioactive by association with him because of his behavior.
0: Yep, I think that pretty much sums it up. Not only that, but let's just circle back to that point that you made a little bit earlier, which is who has facilitated one of the worst things to happen to our country, the domination of our nation as a one party state by the Democratic Party, Donald Trump. And I will tell you watching this violence here on the Capitol, watching the violence in Georgia, watching the behavior of some of Donald Trump's supporters, watching the conspiracy theorizing and the insanity of so many of the people who the president has ushered into the hallowed halls of the White House is gonna make it so much easier for the Democrats to do crazy things. Where Joe Biden says, I'm a moderate, right? He doesn't need to be a moderate anymore because all he needs to do is wave a picture of these nuts and say, this is the other side. You want to call me crazy? I don't have a gun. My people aren't occupying the the Capitol building. This is yet another disservice to our values, to our principles, and to the party. And that's why I'm betting if you want to pick the most angry man in Washington right now, I'm betting it's not Donald Trump. I'm betting it's Mitch McConnell. Listening to Kevin McCarthy, the the House Republican leader on TV just about half an hour ago, his voice was shaking with anger.
1: We had Donald Trump on the podcast. I've developed a little bit of a relationship with him over the past year. He called me after the election and started giving me the statistics on how the election had been stolen from him. And I told him, Mr. President, I've got to tell you, you lost the election because of that first debate, and you lost the election because you alienated a lot of people who supported your policies but didn't like you, and if you had won those people, you'd be planning your second term right now, and he said, really? I said, yes, sir, you did, and he said, well, let me send you some stuff, and we'll talk about it, at that." and he hung up, and he hasn't talked to me since, <laughs> and I think there are a lot of people who tried to tell him the same thing. And what has happened over the last month is all of the people who were willing to tell the president what he didn't want to hear, that he was responsible for losing the election, that it wasn't stolen, have been basically sidelined within the administration. And he's surrounded himself with a bunch of psychophants and enablers who are feeding and enabling his conspiracy mongering and telling him what he wants to hear. And nobody's willing to say to the president of the United States, this has to stop. This has to stop. And if it doesn't stop, I'm quitting. You know, at some point, somebody's got to say that because this is not just a, you know, he is not cooperating with the transition, which means that Operation Warp Speed will not be handed off to the next administration in a productive way. There's national security issues involved. And now, because of this month long behavior, I mean, the reason why the Republicans, let's just say it, the reason why Republicans lost the control of the Senate was because of Donald Trump, because Donald Trump went to voters in Georgia and said to them, the system is rigged. The, the, George, he said the Georgia Senate races were illegal and invalid. He ran ads in Georgia the week of the runoff, right before the runoff, not to promote Leffler and Purdue, but telling voters to call the governor and the state legislatures and tell them to overturn the election. And you know, even at that Monday rally, the first words he said were, "There's no way we lost Georgia. rigged election." You know, a lot of Georgia Republicans believed that conspiracy mongering and stayed home. They didn't vote. And so, you know, his behavior is not just discrediting him; it's, it literally has handed absolute power to the other party, and I'm just appalled by it.
0: I'm not sure how I can add to that. All I can say is, I think that now is the moment we need to see the president from the Oval Office, because of the gravity of this situation, telling people, now is the time not to be peaceful. Now is the time to go home. Now is the time to stand down. Now is the time to let our democratic process go forward and to actually finally hand the reins of power appropriately have a succession, have an appropriate transition, cooperate with the Biden administration, call Joe Biden and say congratulations, and finally go out with a little bit of dignity and grace.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I uh, thought you were gonna agree with me. No, I don't think
1: I, you're I, I, it I agree with you. It should happen. I mean, I I told you I wrote a column with the saying, congratulate Joe Biden cooperate with the transition, all the advice you just gave him, uh, you know, attend the inauguration and then declare your candidacy and run again. I mean, what Donald Trump doesn't understand is he did have a path, I don't know if he does anymore, but he did have a path to a second term. It was just in 2024. And I truly think he, you know, I think he believes this stuff. I think people are feeding him, you know, Rudy Giuliani and a lot of these Sidney Powell and some of these, you know, nutty lawyers who he cuz he can't get a real lawyer, a real election lawyer to work for him are feeding him all this this information and they're enabling the conspiracy uh, theorist stuff. And I think he believes it. I think he thinks his election was stolen. I, I do. And so he's not gonna he's not gonna do any of this stuff and actually think Mike Pence was gonna stand up in the Capitol today and, and declare the race null and void. And then he was gonna like rerun the election or what, I don't know what he had in mind, but the self-destruct instinct in this man is without precedent uh, in history. The best I think we can hope for is that today's behavior gets him to at least stand down from the crazy. Uh, he's never gonna attend the inauguration. He's never gonna congratulate Joe Biden, but you know, just leave.
0: Well, and on that note, exactly. I know that we speak for lots and lots of people when we think just at this point, Donald Trump, go away. Go away and let the nation recover from this dark, dark moment. Folks, stay safe out there. Thanks for joining us as always. We'll be turning back to the topics in the news that are front and center in the coming weeks. And uh, we look forward to hearing suggestions from you and uh, and comments from you, but let's leave you with thank you very much and uh, happy new year. <laughs>
1: Say it with enthusiasm, Danny.
0: I can't, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I've got none. I've got none. Goodbye, everyone.
1: Take care. Bye.
0: And our team here at AEI is Alexa Santry, Matt Winesett, Jen Moretta, and Macy Heath. Let
1: us know what topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing us at
0: AEI.org. Or you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at D Pletka. And I'm at Mark Thiessen. That's Mark with a C